it's not working. What was that noise? I see something outside. Don't go out there! for a dark and twisted tale. Wanna play a game? How long can you survive? Oh man, did you guys hear that new intro? Yeah, we uh, we got something professionally done this time, so we can sound more professional. What do you think, Tori? I'm debating. Because I like this new intro, but I do love the simplicity of our first intro. Yeah, but we're a horror podcast. We don't do simple. All right. We do creepy. <sighs> well, I guess we can leave it up to the audience. <gasps> My God, you're right. Audience, if you like the original um, little string tempo one, let us know. Or if you like the new one, again, let us know on Twitter or Instagram. Social media shout out early on in the podcast. You know, uh, make sure you follow us on all those social media accounts. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. All right, everyone. That was a good episode, right? All right. Let's uh, all right. turn it in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all honesty, um, I really do like the new intro. I think um, the guy that we had work on, it, he did a really good job with the music and everything. And then we added our own little touch of the sound effects. Well, the talking in the background and stuff. But... I honestly really do like it. Yeah, it was definitely fun recording all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it brought me back to like the old days where you and I used to do the um, the short scripts for for like the podcast that we originally had. Yeah, and we actually did like multiple takes. And we actually acted. What is acting? Uh, it is a state of mind, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to become like all sophisticated. No, like, more, like, self-aware, I guess. I don't know. Not working. Not working? Not working. Mm. What is reality? <laughs> what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me? No more. Okay. <laughs> this week, we decided to do another film review, and I love this movie our lovely co-host didn't like it as much but to be fair i had her same reaction the first time i watched american psycho i think you said everyone basically has that what the heck just happened yeah because the movie kind of ends on this really weird ambiguous note like it's not necessarily a satisfying conclusion but it leaves you like what the heck just happened what did i just watch what does all this mean what does this mean <laughs> Did this stuff actually happen, or or are they all just too wrapped up in themselves to realize that so many people are dead? I, I mean, it really could go either way when you look at it. I still think it was all a dream type of thing in his head, but we ended up watching this interview with the director. Well, kind of. It was like a clip from the director where she said that she didn't want it to seem like it was all in his head, but she wanted to leave this ambiguous ending. I still think, based on the movie... All the clues lead up to it being in his head. I think so, too, because some of the stuff, like his first kill, there was no way. Like, there were parts of it, like how the guy was so immersed in the bag and what, like, where he got the bag from. 
that could be easily shown off as like, no, he only cares about the bag, not what's in it. Like he hasn't seen the blood or anything. But you would think that when someone does see the trail of blood, that they would stop and go, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Do you want to give a little bit more context to that scene? So this is the second slash third, if you want to count the dog killing. This is Patrick's third kill that we see. And this is when he brings his coworker, Paul Allen, up to his penthouse apartment or whatever. Um, after dinner, you know, they have drinks, they talk, all that stuff. And Patrick ends up killing Paul, chopping him up with an axe, stuffing his body in a bag and bringing it through the hallway, down the, the elevator, past this... Front doorman. Yeah, the front doorman. And on this white marble floor of this apartment complex, you see this trail of blood that's leaking from this bag. And the guard just kind of looks up from his paper. It's like, all right. And then like looks back down at his paper. So I don't think he sees the blood at that moment, but he probably would have seen it, you know, when someone gasped or started screaming when they came in the building next. That in the bag that he's carrying, it clearly has a body in it. It looks like a giant, like, That he's dragging bag. on the ground. It's not right. like it's over his shoulder. He's literally dragging it. But then again, you can argue with the ending that it could be a commentary how the guard is just in his own world that he doesn't even notice all this blood and everything, or that it was all in his head. Still, I feel like he may not have seen that in that minute, but sometime in the future when someone walks through, like the blood trail is still going to be there. It oh, doesn't absolutely. just vanish. <laughs> so then wouldn't they tried to investigate like oh did i see someone with like an injured leg no but there was a sketchy dude or there was a really nice looking dude carrying a sketchy bag yeah how would you rate paul allen's death on a scale of one to ten like the build-up and everything once they're inside the apartment um because <laughs> i think this is one of my favorite deaths of the movie because Patrick Bateman in that moment, he lets his psycho loose. Like you see him so calm and composed and very eloquent when he's speaking and all that stuff, very calm. And then when he's talking to Paul Allen, like when he's getting the axe and everything, he basically turns into Jim Carrey. I know, he's all energetic, <laughs> his hips are swaying and everything. With, like, that grin and that, like, I'm gonna kill you right now. Yeah, but really he's distracting Paul Allen by talking about, um, what is it, Huey Lewis? He talks a lot about movies, or not movies, uh, CDs and music. It was very interesting, you know, in terms of, like, serial killers, how he has this vast knowledge of music. It is. It's really used as a distraction, too. Or in the scene with the two prostitutes, it's kind of used as, like, a calming mechanism, almost. Yeah. But it also weirds them out, like, a lot. 
Well, yeah, well, especially in that scene, he gives him, like, those slight demands in between him talking about all this music trivia. <laughs> You're not drinking your wine or strip down. Dance yeah. for me. All those things. Like, it's... He's such a complex psychopath. And and honestly, it's my favorite Christian Bale movie. I know a lot of people say, like, Batman or something like that, but no, no, no. American Psycho, I think, is hands down Christian Bale's best role he's ever done. Do you remember how old he was when he did this? Yeah, I looked up. He was 26. I was like, are you kidding me? He looks like a 35-year-old man here. But dang, he's in great shape in that movie. Oh, yeah. Makes me uh, feel inadequate about myself. <laughs> Like, I could be doing more. I mean, hey, I could probably still pass off as a teenager. Honestly, same here. <laughs> We're just going to stay Sadly. young and beautiful forever. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate that? That death, I think, eight and a half, nine. Just for the comedic part of, you know, Paul Allen is just talking about this and that. And Pat basically calls to me and is like, hey, guess what? Paul Allen turns around, acts straight in the face. <laughs> and then multiple chops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think one of my favorite kills, though, was later on when he gets the prostitute to come back to his apartment. And he's running down the hallway, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. And she starts, like, booking it down the stairwells. And he's, like, standing at the top of the stairs. And he's, like, he hangs the chainsaw over the railing and just follows her. And as she reached that bottom floor, he drops the chainsaw, and it goes spinning, 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 and stabs right her right in her back. Yep. And I was like, oh my god. And then it's so funny because, you know, no one hears his chainsaw going off in the building or her yelling. Somehow. But that's why it also goes with the argument of this is all in his head. Yeah, and the reason why she's running away, obviously she finds out that he's a serial killer and that he's trying to kill her. But they have this sexual scene with the prostitute, him, and she's supposed to be Patrick's friend. Yeah, it's like someone they knew a long time ago or they met a while ago. Yeah, and the prostitute sees him kill her as she's trying to leave. And then she starts freaking out, running through this apartment that... Seems like a maze, because she's opening doors like closets and bathrooms, and she's seeing all of these bodies hung up in the closet in these plastic bags. There's like three or four of those. There's a dead body on the bathroom floor, you know, head in the fridge refrigerator that we see earlier on. Oh yeah, it's like at this scene. point, it's like a full-on kill apartment. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And then finally she finds the door. My favorite part of that, probably besides the chainsaw, because it is very cliche of them to run away. He just puts on these shoes, grabs a chainsaw, and is like running after her. Not even running. Just a fast walk while yep. she's trying to run away. He won't put on clothes, but he will put on shoes. Probably without socks. Probably. What a psychopath. I know. <laughs> I would never wear tennis shoes without socks. That's weird. <laughs> I think I've only done that if, like, I can't find my socks and I really just have to, like, run downstairs really quick. Yeah. But, yeah, straight up naked, run down the apartment, Texas Chainsaw style. Yeah. It's 
It honestly is such an interesting scene. You would think the prostitute wouldn't go back after the first incident she had with him where she got super injured. Money. Well, yeah, I mean, which she had a lot of. <laughs> yeah. God, it really shows you that rich people are really insane. <laughs> Very demanding. Fifty Shades. Like, he's just so bored with his life. and Well, not even it's bored, just, you know, he's trying to fit in to, like, not stand out, but at the same time stand out. Like, his psyche is so fascinating to me. He fixates on, like, business cards that him and all his colleagues have, but yet they all kind of dress and look the same. Yeah, he is very detail-oriented. Like, when they're showing off their business cards, he's saying the type of font, the color of the card, even though they all look white or like an off-white. Yeah, this one's eggshell with raised font, and then... Whatever the font name was. <laughs> as well as if the card is like glossed or matted or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And I do actually really like how each time they showed one of the cards, they would like flip open their little uh, metal thing. Mm -hmm. The casing. The casing. And you would hear that sharp, like almost knives going against each other. Yeah. Like, I really did like that small hint. Yeah, there's a lot of subtle things in the movie that made it so good, in my opinion. Like, I love one of the opening scenes where Patrick is going about his day, and he's talking about how he puts on this facial, like, mask thing, and then he starts peeling the mask off. And I love the symbolism with that, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like him shedding this fake mask so he can show his true self to the audience, which... It's so good. I, oh my god. As a filmmaker, I just, like, I fawn over this movie. You know what my one thought was during that whole scene? What? Dang, this guy has a lot of products. Yeah. More than I you. Thought, I thought I did, <laughs> and then I'm just looking at, like, all of the facial things, and the body scrubs, and the shampoos, and the this and the that, and I'm like, What? <laughs> Yeah, and then when he gets the massage, your skin is so smooth and, like, there's no wrinkles or anything. High-quality skin products. Apparently, they work. Yeah, if you're rich enough, it'll work. Well, when you got the money for all that expensive stuff. Oh, yeah. I like how he says he can do, what was it, like, a thousand sit-ups? Yeah. And I'm like... No, you probably can't. You're probably really over-exaggerating. I mean, he's Batman. He might be able to. <laughs> Christian Bale himself, yes. Maybe not for a morning routine. Oh, yeah, no, not in a, not in a morning. <laughs> no way. No, he was saying that he was doing it, like, every morning. A thousand crunches or sit-ups or whatever it was. And I'm like, do you really do that, Patrick? Do you? Yeah, it takes me like five minutes to hit a hundred sit-ups, honestly. Not, and I mean, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm just saying, like, you know, doing a thousand sit-ups, like that, that takes some serious time. Like he would have to start his day so freaking early. If you could kill one of his friends, who would it be? Honestly, they were all the same. I mean, there is like the only one that stands out to me is, I mean, Jared Leto and the. Uh, the one guy that thought they were having the moment in the bathroom. Oh, that guy. Yeah, like the super dorky one that they kind of made fun of, but then he came out with the best business card and all of them just like sat back like, damn, that's a nice business card. I'm jealous. Except Patrick. Patrick is just pissed at that point. Yeah, that's why he wanted to, that's why he goes to the bathroom to go kill him, but then he doesn't. And then 
His arms are around his neck, but the guy's like, I've wanted this all along, Patrick. <laughs> Him storming out after that scene was so funny. <laughs> Just, you thought that he was caught trying to strangle his friend, but the guy just grabs his hand, pulls down the leather glove a little bit, and kisses his hand. Gives him a nice little smooch on the hand. And then in that moment, Patrick's like, I'm not going to get away with murder here. I got to bounce. Now, I kind of took that as a, this really isn't worth it. Okay. That's how I took that. It was just a... See, what I nah. saw was that that was reality. And in that moment, he wanted to kill him, but he couldn't, which is why he ended up storming out. Now, do you think that he's actually saying those things about murders and executions and wanting to chop people up? Yeah, I think in some scenes he is talking about it, but other scenes it's all in his head. Like, there's one point in the movie where him and his friends are sitting at a table and he's talking about Ed Gaines and how whenever the serial killer saw a woman, he thought two things. One was, I really want to take this woman out to dinner, and the other is, I want to put her head on a pole. And his friends just kind of looked at him like, oh, that's really dark and weird. So in that moment, I think he said it, but then there's a scene... At some point in the movie, I don't remember if it was earlier or later on, where he's at this club and this girl asks him, so what do you do? And he says, murders and executions. And she goes, oh, I heard um, mergers and acquisitions are really hard. Like, you know, it takes a lot on you. I think, like, in those moments, it was all in his head and that's what he wanted to say, but not what he actually said. What about the thing at the bar in the very beginning when, what was it, um... Oh, with the bartender? Yeah. He tries to buy a drink with, like, these tickets, and she says, like, no, like, they're, those don't work anymore. It's a cash bar only. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll just take this and this or whatever. And then as she turns, he says that he wants to chop her up and, you know, eat her or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's another one that could go either way because... In one argument, you're in a loud club, so maybe the bartender didn't hear him. But then also, this, this is a whole psychological movie, so he could have easily said that in his head. For that argument of, oh, it's a loud bar, the bartender might not have heard him. Yeah, but what about the people behind him and around him? Because that bar was pretty crowded. Right, but also kind of think about it this way. You and I have gone to a lot of bars and like clubs and stuff, and... You and I have to, like, yell in each other's ears to hear each other. I think, logically, someone should have heard him if he did actually say that. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point, too. I, it really could go either way in how you analyze the movie. I like to think in that scene it was probably in his head and he didn't actually say it out loud. But at the same time, I can also get the other argument. God, see, that's what I love about this movie. You talk about it, and you just overanalyze and think of, well, what about this scene? No, was that in his head? No, that had, he had to have done that, actually. I can't go through that again. <laughs> I'm telling you. My, I didn't tell you this, and I don't know if you realized, but throughout that whole movie, my heart was beating so fast. Really? How come? That's why I can't, It's American Psycho! <laughs> <laughs> why else? It's a horror thriller. So you were actually scared in this movie? Yes and no. Not in the way of jump scares. Mm -hmm. But more in the way of nervousness. 
Like, what was he going to do? As well as if he's going to get caught and how he's going to get out of these lies or, like, all of those scenes with the detective Mm -hmm. and how William Defoe is asking him these questions and at some parts he's diverting the questions to something else. On other times he's trying to think of other answers, but then Defoe's character is like, wait, that's not actually what I heard. And then the whole lunch scene with them Mm -hmm. and how Defoe's character almost seemed like he was giving him an alibi like oh that's not what i heard i heard that you were at dinner with this person this person and this person right and a very hint hint nudge nudge take this way out if you actually did kill him type of thing yeah and again the whole things with the detective could go either way one it could be he's making up the detective and it's all in his head and that how this detective's trying to find out who murdered Paul Allen. Or it could be a, well, this guy really wants to help out this rich guy. I feel like the detective is a real person throughout this movie. Only because he interacts with the secretary as well as Patrick. And I don't think Patrick would have, you know, thought up that stuff. Because we also see them kind of talking on the side right but how often do you see a detective go to dinner with a potential murder suspect them going to dinner is him interrogating him and i mean realistically i i can't foresee that happening that's why i think it's all in his head or like this detective's made up and he might have imagined the detective talking to his receptionist or maybe the first part was real but the whole lunch wasn't. Right. And he was trying to continue this fantasy of, oh, this detective is hot on my case. I'm almost going to get caught, but I don't want to get caught type of thing. So I'm going to make an out for myself. Oh, absolutely. Now, let's talk about one of my favorite parts is the ending (laughs) when he starts losing it. It all starts where he walks by an ATM and the ATM says... Feed me the stray cat. That's like right by his feet. It's a little kitten. And that's how you know he's lost. And then all of a sudden he pulls out this gun and has like this unlimited amount of ammo. And he's like blowing up police cars going through the streets. Shoots a poor old lady that basically tells him, don't hurt the cat. And then when he kills one of the guys in his building and he goes through the revolving doors and he sees like the janitor coming out of the elevator and he does a full circle just to shoot the janitor and completes the circle to run out the building. (laughs) That was kind of funny, yeah. I just, at that point, that's when, if it's your first time watching, like you just kind of go, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah, and you would mention during the movie that both of the front desk men were the same the one that he shoots and then the one Mm -hmm. that's like oh don't forget to sign in and then you see him reach into his jacket pocket thinking he's gonna grab the gun but it's actually a pen um i think you had said that those two people were the same but when i think about them i think they might be two different people oh it's very possible like if everything wasn't in his head these two people definitely are different. Mm-hmm. I could see it going either way if it was in his head. Like, he could have 
you know, the guy could have asked him, like, oh, don't forget to sign in. And then he thinks of all of these murders, and then it really just does a loop around where... No, it's very true. Um, God, see, that's why I love the movie. You you really get deep into analyzing everything that happens. And the apartment itself, too, when he goes to clean it, mm-hmm. after he, like, kills the prostitute, and you see all the bodies in there, um, all of the blood, and he walks in, and there is a open house. I think this is one of the clues that it is all in his head. Right. Because... One, I think it was only maybe a night or two. And all the blood and bodies are gone. And all the furniture is gone too. Right. And I can't foresee the argument how it's like, oh no, the real estate's like, you know, helping cover this up because wealthy people, blah, blah, blah. I can't foresee that. They didn't know each other. Yeah. And the girl's reaction when she asked, like, are you here? Like, are you my... So-and-so, my 2.30 appointment. No. Yeah, I actually am. And then she starts questioning him. And she obviously knows something wrong because she's hinting at, get the heck out of here. Right. Like, Uh, you're obviously not my 2.30. Go. God, such a good movie. Like, honestly, I have seen this movie so many times. Poor Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) Poor Reese Witherspoon. She seemed as controlling as they were when he was trying to break up with her and talk to her (laughs) you know she was waving over to one of her friends showing off a bracelet like i i get he wasn't the best because he wasn't invested in the relationship either but now he just wanted to kill and she probably just wants a like rich hunky husband well yeah i mean in the breakup she was like well but your friends are my friends and my friends are your friends you can have the friends no see that's just not gonna work for me (laughs) and then she starts like sobbing and making this huge scene and as soon as he leaves she stops (laughs) she's just like oh Can we talk about how he was openly drawing a death scene? I know. With crayons. And no one's, like, bats an eyelash. Just how weird. Is that that just something that they're used to? Or, like, what? I mean, she must be used to it or something. Because he has that full notebook full of death drawings of all the things he did. Well, he doesn't show that notebook though that's true because that's supposed to be his personal planner and a lot of ceos probably wouldn't show their itinerary yeah also can we mention how there were what four five vps of this company (laughs) like it seems like every time someone would show a card it was vice president vice president Hey, you could have, like, you know, a VP of communications or a VP of sales or something, like... But then I feel like you would have to put that on your card. Like, no one wants to call you for, say, you're the VP of billing. Like, they're not going to want to call you when they're looking for the VP of sales. (laughs) Fair. Or something like that. Like, you need to know who you're dealing with. (laughs) All right, so to wrap it up, though, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the movie? Never going to watch it again. 
god. But like, okay, but did you hate it? It was one to ten. Nine. Ooh, that's it's, my number two. <laughs> it is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Almost curious to read the book. And we actually saw the interview with the yeah. writer as well saying that, you know, he wanted the ending to be... Ambiguous. Yeah, like, you really aren't sure. Like, more of the clues could point either way. Whereas the ending in the movie really showed that, you know, 90% he is probably just really nuts. Yeah. Sounds about right. Nuts and bolts. Nuts and bolts. But yeah, definitely 9 out of 10 for me. I just, this movie is creepy. You know, he, Christian Bale plays such a good serial killer. Acting is really good in there. Symbolism of, in the end scene, when you see the sign above his head that says no exit. Mm-hmm. That's a good symbolism. Just everything in the movie is really well done. I would never personally want to go through that again because <laughs> it was so... Not terrifying, but nerve-wracking. Okay. <laughs> I don't... Never again. No, no. <laughs> I'm telling you, the more you watch it, the more you fall in love with the movie. I will take your word on that. Watch it. Like, three years from now, you're going to come out, and the movie's going to be on, and you're going to sit down with me and watch it. Just wait. It'll happen. Do you not know me? If I don't like a TV show <laughs> or a movie, I just grab my computer, and I go back in the, in the room. Fair point. All right, everyone. Well, thank you guys for uh, listening today, and I hope you guys like the new intro. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.